Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's 9.06. Good morning and welcome to Money FM 89.3. It is time for Market View. Asia Pacific shares trading higher this morning following a rocky session on Wall Street overnight. Sydney is up three quarters of a percent. Tokyo trading up about half a percent. Markets in South Korea closed today as the country goes to the polls to vote for their next president. Attention this morning focused largely on the commodity markets and joining me to tell us why and break down all the market action. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Morning, Michelle. Let's talk about nickel. It is a commodity that we rarely talk about on this program, although it's used in all sorts of products from stainless steel to batteries. Now, this morning, nickel is taking center stage as it is the latest commodity to be affected by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Nickel prices spiked more than 250% overnight, putting pressure on producers to meet margin calls, even forcing a suspension of trade on the London Metal Exchange. Ryan, can you give us an overview? Bring us up to date. Just why have nickel prices spiked so much? Okay, so you've got a couple of factors here. And of course, it revolves around what's happening in the Ukraine crisis, where commodity prices across the board have been going up and nickel, one of them, so much so that the speculators have pushed them up to a point where investors who were shorting had to cover their positions. So when they covered positions, they had to buy some of those nickel future contracts for a long call. So when they buy it, they continue to push it up. And that starts a bit of a chain reaction where the prices go up even further and those who are shorting it still have to cover even more. And then it just goes on and on. And then so much so, it creates a bit of a what's called a short squeeze where it just spikes up so much. And that's what happened on the London Metal Exchange. So we expect a short squeeze to be short-lived. Let's look a little deeper into what's happened. A Chinese company called Xingshan, it's one of the world's largest nickel and stainless steel producers. And as a producer of the metal, you might think it might cheer rising prices. But instead, the company is reportedly facing an 8 billion US dollar trading loss. How did this happen? Okay, so this is where one of the quirks of trading um, contracts you have to put things into context. For many producers, they enjoy um, the benefits of higher prices by profits. But at the same time, they want to have a clear or stable outlook in terms of being able to have a bit of hedging if things don't turn out well. And sometimes they buy contracts betting that the market will go down to some extent. So partially betting or covering their position. So this is what happened. Some of these producers buy short contracts. And in this case, this Chinese entrepreneur, Xiang Guangda, through his company, Qingshan Holding just had too many short contracts. So he was holding on to a large short position on the London Metal Exchange. And what happened was a short squeeze just squeezed him really badly. And he had to cover a lot of margin calls. And going by reports, he was unable to do so. And a lot of brokers have been calling him up to pay. And the latest we have is he is giving given some time to pay back some additional time to pay hundreds of millions of dollars of margin calls that it missed on Monday. So this is playing out. So something to watch in the coming days. Like any big move in prices, there are always winners and losers. And one company that is benefiting from Nickel's sharp move upwards is a Brazilian iron ore company. It's called Vale SA. It made a big bet on Nickel some 16 years ago, and now it's paying off. Tell us more. Okay, so this is one of the biggest producers of 
metals, in this case, nickel. So Vale in Brazil is um, one of the beneficiaries because they have been on the back of a super cycle of commodities. And this is the metal used to make stainless steel. Um, they have invested big time in iron ore. So that's one of the beneficiaries in the past few years. And now going with um, one of the latest moves in markets, the nickel bet by Vale is really paying off. And this is something... That is still rising. So the nickel bull run has now turned into a stampede since early 2007. So they are calling it a bit of a super cycle. And I think with all the outlook around how the EV space is expected to pick up, we've got that future quite bright for uh, Vale. Yes, because nickel is a key ingredient in rechargeable batteries and the uh, EV race is really taking off. Shares of Vale SA moderated higher in after-hours trade, moderately higher, I should say. They are up by more than 40%, though, since the beginning of the year. Ryan, at the beginning of the show, we mentioned that the London Metal Exchange had suspended trade in nickel. Do we know when it will resume? Okay, by the latest reports, is not any time before... Friday. So this is creating quite a bit of confusion because as an exchange is supposed to be transparent, supposed to be predictable, but this is not the case in the past two days at least. So besides suspending trade, it also cancelled trades prior to the suspension. So this is just causing a lot of confusion and a lot of um, unwinding needs to be done. And even when it opens, maybe on Friday, it will be a partial reopen only on European opening hours before it expands those uh, trading um, sessions to the rest of the world. So it is going to take some time to normalize operations and figure out what it has to do to uh, give more confidence to markets. And some market watchers have described it as the um, biggest crisis that the 145-year-old exchange has faced. At the top of the show, I also said we rarely talk about nickel on this program. And while that's true, it's not an absolute. Listeners, you may recall the nickel trading scandal with Envy Asset Management, Envy Global Trading and their director, Ng Yu Chi. And I wonder, Ryan, if Ng had actually made the nickel investments with the money uh, that investors had given over instead of committing fraud, um, would he be sitting pretty on a pile of cash today instead of possibly looking at jail yeah, time? Yeah, that's a very interesting point, right? If he had only knew, and I guess life is about timing, right? And knowing what you know now, no, it is 2020 when you look backwards. So he could have been sitting quite pretty and maybe he was just a bit ahead of his time, right? Nickel just having a boom time in these past few weeks. And this was a big scam, if you remember in the headlines. He owes investors at least $1 billion. So that was how much money he was sitting on. So just imagine how much that could have grown if he actually invested in nickel. That is the point. Envy almost never bought any of the nickel it claimed that it was trading. What if it had? Now, apart from nickel, let's turn to the other big commodity of the day, and that is oil. The U.S. is banning the oil and natural gas purchases from Russia. The U.K. is joining suit. They say they do not want to subsidize Russia's war in Ukraine. Brent crude currently trading around 128 U.S. dollars a barrel. So a big question in markets is, will Europe follow suit? Countries like Germany are much more dependent than the U.S in the UK on Russian energy, right? Yeah, you are right in that sense. We are not seeing any um, efforts by the European side to join this ban. So we've got the US banning fossil fuels, including oil, 
LNG and coal. The UK joining some extent, just oil, no natural gas and coal yet. Um, the European nations a bit more reluctant because their economies and many jobs, of course, uh, rely on fossil fuels quite heavily. So no indication that they will join the ban yet. But I'm sure they are trying to figure out a way to punish uh, mm. Russia in some other form. Tell us more about the US and UK ban itself. Is it going to take effect immediately? Okay, the short answer is no. Um, but it is going to take effect in the sense that new contracts will be banned immediately. So if you're trying to buy something new, uh, you will not be able to. But if you've bought existing contracts, so prior to the announcement, it will be allowed to continue. So there's going to be a 45-day winding down period for US companies. Mm -hmm. For the UK side, they will be phasing it in. So they will have nine months to switch from Russian stock to other alternatives like from the US or the Middle East. On a related note, now we talked on this show this week about Shell. It was taking some heat over a recent purchase of Russian oil. It has apologised and said it will stop buying all Russian oil and gas. Ryan, there are a couple of Western countries quitting the Russian market. What are some latest names? Okay, the latest joining the wave of companies leaving Russia McDonald's, Starbucks, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo and General Electric. So for McDonald's, they are temporarily closing 850 stores, but they will still continue paying their employees, 62,000 of them. Mm -hmm. Starbucks initially said they will be uh, running, continue running the stores and donating profits from those stores, but it has changed costs slightly and now will be temporarily closing them. They will also still be paying their 2,000 Russian employees. Coca-Cola suspending its business. Uh, Pepsi suspending sales of beverages. Um, what's worth noting, though, is that PepsiCo sells many things beyond beverages like milk products, baby formula, baby food. So those non-beverage, non-soda drinks business will continue because they say it's a humanitarian thing. They need to supply these things to uh, people living in Russia and they will continue to support their 20,000 Russian employees and pretty much all the farmers and agricultural workers who are part of the supply chain. So you can see there is this balance that many U.S. companies uh, have to um, play where they have to support jobs, innocent Russian citizens, and also the humanitarian efforts because many of these products are needed for everyday life. Now, as the West quits Russia and the US and UK pledge to stop buying its oil, Moscow is retaliating. It says it will stop exporting some raw material that the West needs. What do we know about what's on the list? Okay, it's quite vague right now. Um, the products on the list still needs to be defined. Um, so we are waiting for more details perhaps in the coming days. But it is a signal that the Kremlin is ready to just hit back at a strong, in a strong fashion. So we are looking at, of course, possibly and quite likely countries who have been slapping sanctions on Russia in the past few weeks. And of course, right at the top of the list is um, the Western allies. And this includes the UK, Europe, and even um, Singapore. So this is uh, something to keep watch. Um, of course, oil is likely to be at the top of the list and wheat and other agricultural products that Russia is um, known for will be also in focus.
Yeah, around the world, 90% of Finland's nickel imports come from Russia. For example, Egypt gets 86% of its imported wheat from Russia and Ukraine. And Brazil bought $2.3 billion worth of Russian fertilizer back in 2019. So in terms of retaliatory sanctions, those are the possible areas as well. Let's turn to Russia. uh, Let's turn to Russia. Let's turn from Russia to China and corporate headlines. There's news that Beijing may allow some tech companies to list shares again in the U.S. Now, if this is true, this would mark a relaxing of rules since last year's crackdown. What is the latest on this front and which company may break the ice? Yeah, this is interesting because it does come off the back of the ongoing two sessions where they revealed a 5.5% growth target. So it does show maybe there is some um, change in course in terms of how they want to shore up um, capital raising for some of their homegrown firms to maybe achieve those um, growth targets. So looking at the latest name that is maybe benefiting from the change in course, Zheng Kunhang Industrial Supermarket Shanghai Company. So it's an industrial supplies e-commerce site. So you think about um, how you might uh, if you're a construction company, need some materials like fasteners, screws, um, glues, adhesives. So these things can be bought on the e-commerce site. It's like an eBay or um, Shopee for people in the construction industry. So that is um, something that could see a US IPO um, soon. But right now, details are still being worked out. But the signals are quite good that um, it could happen. Um, some reports are saying that the regulators are now permitting U.S. listings by companies that meet certain criteria, such as those that don't possess sensitive data. So maybe it's a sign that they are uh, willing to compromise on some fronts. Now, on the show yesterday, we mentioned that Google's parent company, Alphabet, appeared set to buy a cybersecurity firm. Remember, we talked about Mandiant. Well, that deal is now official. So, Ryan, how much will Alphabet pay and do you think that price tag is worth it? All right. So, we are looking at a price tag of $5.4 billion. So, mm. for per share, that will be $23 per share for Mandiant. And this is all be in cash. It will be Google's second biggest deal ever. And if it's worth it or not, I guess uh, we'll have to see how much business it gets because this is what Google says. Uh, This is what their customers want, more security in their cloud products. And this was actually something that reportedly Microsoft was trying to buy as well. So with the security product, it says customers' uh, requests will now uh, be fulfilled in the sense that they've been calling for more automation, more sophisticated security analysis. And I think that's what Mandiant will be able to offer uh, Google on the front and maybe help them to just catch up with Amazon and Microsoft Azure on the cloud computing space. Here in Singapore, the government has announced new rules to assist minority home sellers. What's the latest here? How might this affect the home market? Okay, so if you are quite familiar with the HGB side of things where if you're a minority trying to sell a flat, you will face some constraints typically because of the liquidity of the availability of um, the quota. So what happens is if you're a minority, you will have to typically find someone of your same um, race because of the um, quota restrictions. So now the HDB recognizes it and says it will buy back some of these flats from eligible owners who face genuine difficulties selling their homes due to the policy. And this 
is um, something observers are saying will level the playing field because they have noticed that it takes typically at least a year for these minorities to sell their fats. That is around double the time what other people might need. And in the policy, how this will work is fat owners who have fulfilled a minimum occupation period and have owned a flat for at least 10 years and if they have shown some genuine attempts to sell the flat and this is um, over a period of around six months, they will be eligible for the buying back scheme. All right. Uh, I'll put the question to our analysts at some point as to how the selling price is determined. Now, one last question before we check in on markets. Ryan, did you ever tinker around with Legos as a child? I have, and I am still doing so. No, no Lego wonder. Is Legos are great business. One of those things that has no barriers when it comes to age. You still think around with it? Yeah, because I have a kid, so I'm still thinking of it. Um, so it's quite uh, fashionable these days because of all the oh. movies that come out, like Star Wars. Almost every movie has a Lego set. I see. That's how they stay relevant. Well, Lego's still good business. The company's sales jumped 27% last year thanks to a new new store openings in China. So you're not alone, Ryan. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 23 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index fell more than 1% for the second straight session yesterday, dropping near Nearly 40 points to finish at 31.48. The SDI has now given back all of its February gains and most of its January ones as well. How's the SDI trading this morning and do sellers still have the upper hand? All right, it's um, pretty much in line with the rest of Asia right now. And this is seeing the STI up 0.5% at 3,164. So a bit of a um, revival here or rebound, maybe some buying on the dips happening and looking at what we have on STI pretty split across the middle between green and red right at the top you've got the banks recovering UOB is up 2% at 2884 SIA is also higher $1.64 or up 1.6% at 495 Sengkom Industries is up by 1.5% at 271 and looking at the bottom of the index we've got Jardine Matheson down 1.4%, uh, Gunting lower by 1.3%, and you've got Dairy Farm, Comfort Delgro, Ascendus Reed also at the bottom. All right, thanks very much. Ryan Huang there. Coming up, Circulate Capital wants to empower women in the investment sector. We find out how with Ellen Martin, Chief Impact Officer at Circulate Capital. Ellen joins me at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.